Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. My name is Pastor William Hill, the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. Today is Friday, September 8th, 2023. This is edition number 154 of season eight. We are still looking at the Westminster Confession of Faith. Today we come to uh, the beginning of chapter 28, the sacrament of baptism. Today we'll consider uh, paragraph number one. Let's pray together first. Our most holy and gracious God, as we approach you again uh, for another day, as we uh, seek to understand and learn from you and your spirit as these things are contained in your word, this important sacrament of baptism, we ask that you would instruct us and guide us, that you would give us the grace that we certainly need to understand your word. We pray for your kindness, that you'd forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, so you would help us to walk in all the ways that you have commanded, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, we come to chapter 28, the sacrament of baptism. This chapter uh, contains um, a number of paragraphs, seven in total. Uh, paragraph number one sets the stage, the foundation for uh, many of the things that are discussed throughout this chapter. A very important uh, um, a paragraph, uh, and so let me just read paragraph number one of chapter 28 of baptism. Baptism is a sacrament of the New Testament ordained by Jesus Christ, not only for the solemn admission of the party baptized into the visible church, but also to be unto him a sign and seal of the covenant of grace, of his engrafting into Christ, of regeneration, of remission of sins, and of his giving up unto God through Jesus Christ to walk in newness of life, which sacrament is by Christ's own appointment, to be continued in his church until the end of the world. Well, let me deal with a couple of obvious items uh, first as we look at this, uh, we look at this uh, first paragraph of uh, chapter 28. We note immediately that baptism is a sacrament of the New Testament ordained by Jesus Christ. Now, this is one of the requirements, of course, for it to be a truly biblical sacrament opposed to the Roman church that has numerous sacraments. This one is directly ordained by Christ himself, okay, just as the Lord's Supper, which we will see uh, soon enough, uh, was directly ordained by the Lord Jesus Christ, so was baptism. What is baptism? Well, our shorter catechism tells us that baptism is a sacrament wherein the washing with water in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost doth signify and seal our engrafting into Christ and partaking of the benefits of the covenant of grace and our engagement to be the Lord's. Now, this is a very brief um, answer uh, to what paragraph number one tells us. So first, baptism is a sacrament of the New Testament ordained by the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter uh, 28 and in verse uh, 19. And as I'm turning there, it's important to remember that if the Lord Jesus Christ ordains this sacrament for his church, then it's obviously of importance to us and given to us to help us remember all the things that we discussed about the sacraments in general. Matthew 28, verse 19, um, well, jumping into the middle of a context here, but let me start in verse 18. And Jesus came to them and said, uh, came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit. The other thing that's obviously given to us here in this paragraph, it comes at the end of the paragraph, that this sacrament is to be continued in his church until the end of the world. Again, same passage, Matthew 28, where we are reminded and comforted by the fact that Christ by his Spirit will be with us even to the end of the age. And so, it's a sacrament given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ, directly given by him. It is something that we are to continue to do uh, throughout the entirety of the Christian experience to the end of the age. Now, there are there are a number of facets uh, to this sacrament of baptism. Uh, the first one uh, we note quite plainly there in the phrase that follows that it was ordained by Christ. It's, it's a sacrament not only for the solemn admission of the party baptized into the visible church. That is to say that it is this sacrament is primarily a New Testament sacrament. It's not that it doesn't have any roots in the Old Testament. Of course it does. Uh, we have noted already, and I've explained to many people, that we have in the New Testament an expansion of the sacrament of circumcision given now to both male, female, young, old. Um, here, baptism, however, is still primarily a New Testament symbol given to the church that marks a solemn admission of the party baptized, either whether an individual or whether an entire family, uh, into the visible church of God's people. Now, I'm not going to go back and explain all of the ins and outs of the visible-invisible church distinction, but this is the church that we can see plainly with our own eyes. This is a, uh, a sacrament that has been given to us that marks that. It doesn't give that, but it does mark it in the sense that that it identifies those covenant children that are born to one or both believing parents as members of the visible church and afforded all the privileges that come with that. It also is that which comes after one comes uh, by profession of faith into the church. But it does uh, mark a solemn admission of that party baptized into the communion of God's people. But it does go on. But also to be unto him a sign and seal of the covenant of grace, that covenant of grace that was made with the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we, as his people, his seed, after him. And so in Romans chapter 4 and verse 11, and he received the sign of circumcision, a sign, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they, are not, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them only. Dr. Van Dictorn says that this, um, these items here um, communicate to us the very same thing that circumcision communicated uh, to the patriarchs of old, that it is a sign and seal of a righteousness that is ours by faith, as I've already read from Romans chapter 4. He goes on to say, but in fact, Romans, Romans should be read alongside Colossians because in the latter, Paul explains that baptism pictures salvation in a way similar to circumcision. Circumcision's cutting off of the flesh symbolized the removal of our sin by Christ, who was himself completely cut off in the flesh. He was killed. And Paul says we benefit from this work of Christ because we are in him. Baptism's washing with water symbolizes the removal of our sin by Christ, who was completely covered by our sin, 
and then cleansed in his resurrection. He was buried and raised again to new life. And Paul says we benefit from this work of Christ because we are with him. Every sacrament has a primary reference to that which is always true and a secondary reference to that which is often true. A reference to that which is and a reference to that which ought to be. Baptism is most basically and universally, just as circumcision was, about the works and the righteousness of another, that's capital A, and not about the righteousness of ourselves. It is primarily about the person, promises, and actions of God, and not about us, not even about the righteousness which we have in Christ as Christians. The enduring importance of baptism rests in what it always says about God and His gospel, and not what it sometimes says about the person who is baptized. Now, that's a lot of words I recognize, but let me just see if I can summarize. It is a sign. It points to the hope of the gospel rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ, of the righteousness that can only be found in Him. It is a seal of the, of the gospel to the individual. But let's remember that that sign and seal comes from Christ, not from the individual being baptized. It is always true every time that it is a sign and seal of these things. But it is sometimes true when the recipient of baptism acknowledges by faith their need of Christ. In the case of an infant that is born to one or both believing parents that is baptized, they have an obligation because of their baptism to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and they will be saved. This is to simply say that baptism does not save them. It is not a salvific event. It is a mark of God placed upon them with the obligation of that infant as they grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord as parents faithfully raise their children that they will believe the terms of the gospel and be eternally rescued from their own sin. But it doesn't change whether they do or don't. does not change what God himself as the author of baptism is doing as a sign and seal of the covenant of grace, of his engrafting into Christ. They are engrafted in, just as Paul would argue in the book of Romans. They are placed in that outward, visible covenant of God's people and thus have all of the responsibilities and indeed the privileges that come with that. It's again a sign and seal of regeneration. It does not itself regenerate. Again, it is always true that it points to that, but it is not always true that it will actually bring that as the person responds to their baptism in faith to Christ, of remission of sins. Once again, it is always true that it points to the remission of sin, but it is not always true that, a, that the person baptized truly and really believes the Lord Jesus Christ and of his giving up unto God through Jesus Christ to walk in newness of life. So these are the facets of baptism. They are signs and seals of that which God himself does, always does. But it's not always true that these things are then applied to the individual baptized in the sense of salvation. And we need to be very clear about this because Presbyterians oftentimes have been accused of believing in baptismal regeneration. We do not believe that. Uh, we believe that salvation comes, justification is by faith alone. It's not by anything in us. It's not by works. Baptism, if baptism is that which justifies, then baptism, then justification is by works and not by faith 
alone. And so as we ponder these things and we think about them, perhaps you and the church have been baptized. And as a result of that, you were raised in the church and you have been introduced to the terms of the gospel. But as of yet, you have yet to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you're trusting your baptism, but you're not trusting the Savior. You're trusting the thing that the Savior gave that's supposed to point you to him, to bring you to trust him, but you're not trusting him. You're trusting the water that has supposedly saved you, which it didn't. Now, perhaps you are trusting Christ. You were baptized. You are leaning upon Christ alone for salvation. Then you need to remember your baptism. And I would encourage you to read through that section about in the larger catechism in relationship to remembering your baptism, that you are um, the, all of these things. And as a result, you are to walk in newness of life. You, are, you, are, you belong to another. As that sign and seal indicates that you've given up your life for the sake of another. And by faith, you have trusted that another, that our Savior, the Lord himself, and you are to walk in newness of life. And so when you're under temptation, when you're under assault of the evil one, when you find yourself struggling in various circumstances, you remember your baptism, you remember everything it says about you. You belong to Christ and he owns you. And so that ought to comfort you at one level and that it also remind you and cause you to persevere and walk in the faith that's been once delivered to the saints. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. So until the Monday edition, when we uh, be, uh, look at paragraph uh, number two, may the Lord help you today. May you strive to walk according to all he has told you. God bless.